0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Golden State Warriors Preview Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to break down a team that made some uh, minor increases to their roster uh, with... Obviously, Kevin Durant coming into town here uh, with me to break it down. Had him on last year during the playoffs. Really excited to have Seamus Fondiari on. What's up, man? What's up, Mike? How are you doing? Pretty good, man. Getting ready for basketball season. Uh, Recording this on a Tuesday. Man, I was busy yesterday with all the uh, NBA media news and a lot of stuff going on, man. All these guys putting on weight. A lot of talk about starting lineups. Uh, Really, only the Pacers were forthcoming with their starting lineup so a lot of guessing games i mean mike malone wasn't talking about his starting power forward it's pretty cool man so i, I love seeing all this news man
0: yeah it's still surreal I was, uh, checking out warriors media day and i'm yeah. like oh we they do have kevin durant i mean it's it's uh, it's not gonna be real till they start playing a few games i guess but it's it, it's pretty exciting. I'm I'm ready to ready for the season to start.
1: And then a couple other additions you guys picked up. Uh, I I read pretty much every NBA Raider I can get my hands on. Uh, Anthony Slater and Chris Haynes, man, those guys can write. They're probably two of the best uh, beat guys out there. So yeah, you guys are gonna. have Yeah, you know awesome you content. know it's
0: funny. Like I try to uh, pick one to two beat guys per each team just to to have a pulse on it. And that was they were my number one reads for the Thunder and the Cavs. So. The Warriors, again, it's, it's 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 surreal as someone who grew up in the Bay Area and, you know, this team was a laughing stock for the better part of the last 25
1: years that, like, now it's the center of the NBA world in many ways. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, Chris Haynes, by the way, is a, probably the best media basketball player uh, I've ever played against. I played against him in summer league I and mean, he, took, he took me to school. My squad still beat his, but... Uh, <laughs> But we uh, did, he, it was awesome. did he did he take you into the post? With oh, Mark he's good. He's proud? really good, man. He used to play <laughs> at uh, Fresno State uh, on the squad. He's he's a heck of a player, and we had oh, a couple of oh, wow. ringers, like legitimate Division One caliber player. Yeah, for sure. We had a couple uh, legit ringers, like a couple uh, a D League coach, and then Tony Jones, who writes for Salt Lake, his boy is like semi pro, so we well, I I was probably the worst player on the squad, but uh yeah we, we ran it. But yeah, Chris is Chris is the man. He's a really, really nice guy too.
0: Yeah, I might I might avoid trying to get in that run. <laughs> <laughs> might be a lot of my league. <laughs> um.
1: so, Alright, so let's get down to this here. I mean the warriors are just so crazy. One of my favorite stats is Durant Curry and Clay Thompson with all those shots. They had a combined 64 true shooting percentage last year, which is just unbelievable. So first and foremost, how much are the Warriors going to miss Harry B? I,
0: I don't know how it's you know he was the one who was holding the whole team together. I, I just don't know how they're going to handle it. No, um,
1: <laughs> obviously they're not going to
0: miss him. Um, they may miss the ability to have the deep bench, but ultimately, um, yeah, you know the boget the boget thing's a bigger a bigger loss. Uh, it. Enough to think about. They haven't actually. They haven't lost a playoff series with Bogut since 2013. So he was kind of an important piece to that team. But you know, Katie's Kitty's probably better than Bogut. So it's okay.
1: A little bit. A little bit. All right. <laughs> All right. So I guess kind of what's coming to the forefront nowadays, especially for people who play fantasy, is the talk of the rest. Uh, we talked. We saw GM Bob Myers talking about more of a marathon and wanting to have gas in the tank for the last five miles of the marathon. Obviously, the big comment from Draymond saying he doesn't even want to win 74 games because of the run to 73 was brutal last year. They have 17 back-to-backs. I mean, how much do you think rest is going to come into play? Obviously, last year not winning it uh, has to really sting, and that's obviously their main goal. So you, you have, know, like, a ballpark for games they may rest, guys?
0: I actually um, I think it's going to resemble the 2014-15 season. Um, if you recall, all the key players in the Warriors played two to three minutes less a game last year. And it really started with Luke. You know, Luke uh, Luke was coaching for Kerr. He didn't feel comfortable going uh, as deep into the bench as Kerr would go. So he was really running the starters. 35, 36 minutes for the first 50 or so games. Kerr tried to kind of you know, curtail that a little bit, but then they were so close to the record and the team clearly wanted it. He couldn't rest them. So I would I would assume the uh, you know, the core four won't rest that much during the season, but you might see uh minutes down like Draymond was averaging, I think Draymond Draymond and Steph averaged a little under 32 minutes a game in the previous season and last year it was closer to 35. So I think you might see that sort of thing with an occasional game rested. And and depending on, you know, if they clinch the one seed, how early they do some rest down the stretch. So I wouldn't, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would guess he's a little more diligent resting guys like Zaza, Iguodala, um, you know, guys over 30 who he knows he needs for the playoffs. Um, everyone else is in their 20s and pretty competitive. I can't see any of them playing under 70 games unless an injury comes up.
1: Yeah, and then one thing that's worth mentioning, too, with Curry, you mentioned the minutes, just chasing that. His minutes went up uh, as the year went on. January, 32. February, 34.6. March, 34.6. And then April, 35.6. Uh, when they were trying to lock it down, so yeah, like you said that trend is seems very unlikely, so you don't you don't so you think what like three, four games, four or five games resting with a straight up DNP rest, yeah, um. It's it's hard yeah, to say. Like they, hard they didn't
0: question. judging if I'm going off of two years ago where they weren't chasing a record and they but they had a comfortable lead on the one seed. Kerr still wasn't giving guys DNPs for rest until March. Um, he was just trying to curtail the minutes. You saw a lot of games where Steph just didn't play the fourth quarter. So um, I know he's bigger on the minutes and the load than necessarily straight DNPing guys. He's pretty self-conscious about, you know, fans and paying for tickets. I'm not saying he won't. I just, I wouldn't anticipate it being yeah. a full-on Spurs, you know, huh. type thing because he's not over 35 or anything like that. Yeah. So unless unless uh, someone's banged up, I would expect to see them suiting up most nights. You know, maybe yeah, five, five to seven DNPs over the course of the entire season, probably more in the second half.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy because like people usually rest on the road games. But, I mean, everyone, every fan that I know, no matter where they live, New York, Chicago, L.A., Phoenix, wherever, the first thing they do when they look at the schedule is, all right, one of the Warriors coming to town. <laughs> so, I mean, they're just, they're just a great show to see. So um, respect to Kerr for not pulling the pop. Alright, so let's get into some specifics here. Uh, we'll talk some Clay Thompson first. A guy that is just so money with his touches, doesn't really touch the ball too much, was third in points per touch last year. So he's probably not going to touch the ball quite as much. Um, but th- That's not saying too much for a guy who doesn't touch the ball all that much at all. But how do you see it? Is there anything else he could do on offense besides really just light it up from three? Uh, he really saw an improvement uh, inside the arc last year. So do you think that kind of dissipates a little bit? Anything you think how do you think he fits in this new offense with KD? I
0: think he'll be fine. I would uh off the top of my head, I would say he's probably gonna be more in the 17 to 20 points per game instead of uh 21 to 24 uh like the last two years, just you know, more shots are gonna go around. Um, like you said, he really doesn't touch the ball that much. I don't even think he was in the top eighty. To hundred players and touches per games, like he just he just puts it up when he gets it. He yeah, knows his sure shots. Way I'm
1: pretty. He maybe at a one fifty man. He barely touches it. Like yeah. KD, I think it's sixty seven. And oh, and, to, and to, uh, time of possession, like it's crazy how much he doesn't.
0: Um, I actually don't think inside the arc sh- shots will go down. Um Well, maybe early on. But the thing is, they cut so much. He should get some backdoor layups and stuff like that, even more so because he's going to get the third best defender. Whereas, um, last year, you know, they would just throw everything at him and Steph. So I think he might, he's, he might see his efficiency go up a little bit. Um, the, the thing I wonder about with all the Warriors is how long it takes them to get it together. I think early season, you may see a lot of turnovers. I mean, they're they prone to turnovers last year. And now you're you know you're putting seven or eight new players around kind of the core. It's, it's obviously going to be a work in progress.
1: Hmm. All right, so we'll change gears here a little bit. Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, obviously one of the best scorers ever. But one thing I think that goes under the radar is he could pass. Uh, he had five assists per game. Had five point five three seasons ago. Uh, a little bit down last year when he was hurt. But he doesn't touch the ball that much either. Another guy who who was not in the top fifty in time of possession per game. I mean, this guy is just uh, an well, that's what happens factory. when you play with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's very true. He was number two behind Damian Lillard. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he, and he actually Lillard played a lot more minutes per game, one and a half or so. So. How do you see him fitting in here? I mean, is he going to pretty much do what he did with with OKC, where he sits in the high post and lives off the isolation, works off Westbrook, gets some catch and shoots? We saw him in the Olympics, really kind of come into his zone as a wide open three point shooter, which I'm sure made uh, the Golden State fans salivate. How how pretty! <laughs> his man, when he's open, man, his jumper is just it's just like perfect. He can uh, shoot. I yeah. mean,
0: he should get easier shots. Like I would be surprised. If he doesn't have a 50, 40, 90 year, well, maybe not 90. He never, you know, he he's, free throws. he's, he's had it before. Yeah, Both him and, um, both him and Steph are like, what, two of three players to do that on over 25 points per game. So, um, he's very capable. Uh, I don't know how much Kerr's going to ex- experiment early, but I would imagine, the rotation's going to work out, that KD kind of plays in the flow with the starting lineup. Um, there's just too much talent there for anyone to get, you know, uh, ex- excessive isolation or go-to guy. It'll be kind of more feed the hot hand once they figure out how to play with each other. And then I'm thinking he's probably going to be the uh, number one backup power forward. So you'll run him out with the second unit, you know, next to Iguodala. Uh, and that'll really be his time to kind of shine and fill up the stat sheet. One thing that was underrated in uh, his stats is how much more efficient he is at power forward. Everyone tends to be better when you space the floor out and go a little smaller. Uh, his true shooting percentage last year at power forward was 68%. So um, And the Warriors don't have a backup power forward and generally like to go four out as much as possible and plus Iguodala is too good to only be playing 15 to 18 minutes a game anyway I think you're gonna see uh KD's numbers uh he will probably have a slight hit on volume I it's hard to see him averaging over uh five assists a game just considering how many guys there are like I would say four and a half to five would be where I'm pegging he'd go there and maybe the points drop but the efficiency should should be as high as it's ever been.
1: Yes, yeah, so you see him probably. I mean, the, he won't have the high usage rate, so you're probably looking at what like twenty four, twenty five points a game, something along those lines. Not quite twenty. I think he's
0: gonna go. I think he's gonna go over twenty five. Yeah. I'm pretty confident he's gonna be the leading scorer on the team. Same. So. Uh, Steph. Steph uh, wants to be a point guard. He always like if you want to see him get annoyed in a post game press conference, watch someone, you know question if he's actually a point guard <laughs> that's like his number one pet peeve um and obviously he's a very gifted scorer and there's you know you want him to shoot the ball uh but i think he's going to enjoy playing with kd and seeing his assists go up and maybe going down to you know 22 to 23 points per game so it's kinda, that's kind of that's kind of how i see that whole thing working out and then obviously you know he'll have his games or he just gets hot and they feed him
1: yeah, and Curry also was not in the top 20 for time of possession either. So he's a guy who doesn't touch the ball much either. So you think that number may come up a little bit? and they, Or do you think that KD getting the ball will kind of keep him right in that same 25 in, in time of possession? Or
0: Yeah, I would say that. Um, I think of all the core players, they're going to be most diligent with his minutes. He got really beat up. Uh, some of the quotes regarding his knee... Um, make it sound like it's not 100% recovered um, and just his history and his his general frame, you know, he's a small guy they're going to want to be most diligent with him, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ha- plays the least minutes of um, you know, the core four players and uh, his use, you know, he, he just he moves the ball pretty quickly so uh, Yeah, I don't expect him to pound the ball for 20 seconds at the top of the key. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: That's, that's, not his, that. that's not his game at all. It's a Westbrook kind of a thing. All right, so uh, let's get down. Let's, let's talk a little Draymond here. We haven't really talked about him yet. A guy who is one of the best passing power forwards in the NBA. But again, KD, underrated. Like you said, Curry wants to pass the ball a little bit. So how does he fit into this? Um, just another guy who's a triple double threat. We obviously saw when Curry went down how much he can stuff a stat sheet. So, what do you see uh, for his from expectations?
0: A, from a statistical point of view, I think he's going to have the hardest time. Um, if you look at his his two years starting, his touches went up. He was in that like KD, Gordon Hayward, you know, like Blake Griffin, sixty ish touches a game in two thousand fourteen, fifteen, and then last year he was basically touching the ball as much as LeBron and like those high usage players. Um, and he's really a feel player. You know, his shooting percentages were really good last year, but I wouldn't call him a shooter just because he shot 39% from three doesn't mean he's a better three point shooter than, I don't know, like Ryan Anderson, for example, who (laughs) shot less than that. Uh, He's very much a rhythm player. And I just think by adding KD, who obviously you want to get the ball in his hands because he's. One of the best playmakers in the league, uh, unlike Harrison Barnes, who is a spot up threat. Uh, Draymond's going to have the ball on his hands less, uh, which is going to mean more nights where the assists aren't as high and maybe the offense doesn't, you know, maybe he shoots a three for eight from the field, gets like, you know, eight, nine points, but fills it in other ways. Um, I think he's going to probably have the hardest time because everyone else. Uh, in the Warriors' core, is pretty good at functioning without the ball in their hands and doesn't need touches to find rhythm. You know, we talked about Clay. Steph is the same way. Steph can can find it in one shot, and then next thing you know, he goes. Katie has never been kind of a guy to pound the ball uh, or have a lot of touches. He can function off ball and then just you know pick his spots. Um, I don't know that Draymond's that kind of guy. I think you're gonna get the steals, the blocks, the rebound. I mean, he's gonna fill up the stat sheet, but you may see his scoring and um I just think the assists will go down by default. Uh the ball's gonna move more. It's gonna be hard to see him getting as many triple doubles.
1: Yeah, he was I mean, he was so consistent with his assists last year just going through the monthly totals starting with November 7.7 7.2 7.5 7.8 7.6 6.9 in April when his playing time dips slightly. on the on I, the
0: flip side um, he may he also may find it easier because uh, a scheme that teams started using uh, I noticed it in the Bulls game yeah, mid season last year they put Jimmy Butler on Draymond to you know to switch off the pick and rolls and everything, and then from that point forward, uh, any team who really wanted to scheme against the Warriors and try to beat them put their best defensive wing on him, which uh, was more frustrating. I mean, he's used to being undersized. He's used to playing big guys. He can beat with quickness or little guys. He can post up, but he's not used to guys who are the same size as him and just as quick who can handle his. Who can you know check his dribble and do stuff like that? You saw LeBron and KD do that in the playoffs, so you could say he might he might find it easier because he's not going to draw that LeBron assignment on defense, or you know those type of guys aren't going to be guarding Draymond, or if they are, you know
1: KD is going to have have a really good time. <laughs> yeah. So Draymond's most known for being the center of the death lineup, which wasn't used too much last year. Again, if you're not familiar. Curry, Clay, Harry B., Iguodala, and Draymond last year. So you're going to swap out Harry B., put in KD. Uh, again, they used that lineup last year, about 4.6 minutes per game, about half the season. Keep in mind, Harrison Barnes was out for a while with injuries, so he used it, call it 75% of the time. Um, so what do you see, with less depth behind their starting squad, do you see that depth lineup, uh, and also do you have a new nickname for it, um, do you see that getting a little bit more run per game, or how do you think that works into Steve Curry's rotation?
0: I think we should call it the Apocalypse.
1: Nice. I like mega Death lineup as a, <laughs> a metal homage. Yeah. I don't <laughs> but know. I like you, the Apocalypse. <laughs> I don't know how you guard it. Yeah, um, right? there's a couple
0: teams who have like the basis for a decent defense versus it, but, um, even though the death lineup only played 4.6 minutes, if you went through all the lineup combinations, like you said, Barnes missed 20 games last year. um, They would just go to the death lineup with Brandon Rush. There was a lot of times where they would use iterations of it with Livingston in there too. You know, if Andre Godal was sitting a game, he sat 20 or so, they would go to the death lineup with Livingston. So reality was uh, Draymond saw almost... Uh, almost 10 minutes a game at center last year. It might have been more like eight. Uh, And that was huge for his stats. Anytime he went to the center, he was averaging something in the realm of like 18, 10, and 10 per 36. Um, So uh, I do think Kerr will use it less. Uh, One of their their biggest things is keeping Draymond healthy. And while uh, he's as tough a player as there is, he's giving up a lot of weight and they're concerned about the playoffs so i don't think kerr's gonna go to it as much he knows it's in his back pocket i don't think he wants to give teams too many opportunities to experiment with how to potentially guard it down the line um last year as you recall there was that spurs game where he started at center because um Bogut and Festus were both out and it was that game where the Spurs really figured out how to guard Steph Curry Um, and then basically the Cavaliers borrowed that same scheme, you know, just switching everything and being uh, selling out everything on threes and daring Barnes to beat you in the corner. So Can't do that um, anymore. (laughs) Exactly, but I do think um, the Warriors felt they probably showed their hand too much, Uh, but more than anything, it's Limit how much they use it to keep Draymond healthy. Uh, that seems to be the point of emphasis. We want to go into April and May healthy. We don't care about the regular season. In some ways, it makes even though you're adding Durant into what should be just a you know amazing team to watch, it makes this regular season a little less exciting because you know you you can't replicate chasing a record and treating the regular season like the playoffs like they did last year.
1: Definitely. One thing I'll add to that is they use that death lineup uh, 43% of the time was in the fourth quarter. Right. So you would think that that number comes down uh, for blowouts. I mean, uh, it's it's easy to say that now, but uh, I think Golden State has a lot of blowouts in this situation. Okay, so besides that, and obviously the starting lineups, do you see any other wrinkles? Like maybe instead of going with Igadala, seeing Livingston, like we said, we want to kind of keep Igadala's minutes in check. What other kind of, do you think, go-to, not necessarily go-to, but consistent kind of lineup combos that we're going to see out there uh, besides the starters in the Apocalypse slash mega death lineup?
0: Well, Zaza's going to start, um, and I would assume he plays at most the same minutes Boget played. Um, there's not a lot of depth behind him, but they... He has a history of wearing down over the course of the season. Achilles. Uh,
1: his Achilles is really bad.
0: Yeah, so I'm.
1: I, I he's gonna
0: play. Um, Kerr has made a lot of references to David West. Um, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but I would assume Kerr's gonna use him at center for 15 or so minutes a game. Um, he's obviously lost more than one step, but he's still a smart player. And if you think about it, if you're putting him in the second unit with Katie at Power Ford, Iguodala, Livingston, and let's say Ian Clark, I mean, there are a lot worse things you can have running out there for a second unit. Yeah. So there's that. Some of the young guys will be interesting. I think McCaw will get into the fold um, probably midway through the year. Once you start seeing uh, Andre getting, you know, the back-to-back night off here and there. There's just not a lot of wing depth. Um, you know, you can count on Livingston for eighteen to twenty minutes, but they really don't like to extend his minutes uh, related to that horrific knee injury. They're just i, I guess they're worry they worry about like uh his body holding up over the long haul. It's been something that's been mentioned a couple times. Um, I think Ian Clark will play a decent little role. I mean he's uh he fits their style, you know he's uh he can shoot. And uh, he's not the worst; def- he's not a great defender, or anything. But he can guard point. Having Livingston at point guard makes it a lot easier to run a little six-three combo guard next to him. Mm-hmm. So um, I I think he'll take the Barbosa role. Um, in terms of the young big men, that'll be the interesting thing. I'm, I'm not too high on Damian Jones having a large impact this year. I really like him as a prospect. He's not going to be ready at the start of the season and he was already he's a pretty raw prospect as it is I mean if he was that if he was if he was that good he wouldn't have fallen to 30 you know he's clearly a long term project so I'm kind of thinking by the time he comes back we might not even see him play till midseason and he's really one they're hoping uh, can really be a rotation piece next year mm-hmm. looney. Looney might have a chance. He played a little bit last year, and I really do stress a little bit. I think it was 25 minutes between (laughs) his injuries. Uh, But he fits the Warriors' style to a Uh, T. tee. 6'10", 7-plus wingspan, multi-position, power forward, can do a little bit of everything. I know when he was in college, UCLA ran him at the top of the zone, so he has the potential to be kind of one of those – um hybrid big men who can switch uh decent enough jump shot. Like um he shot a lot of threes in college. So there's a there's a basis to think he can do that. Um and he looks like he's gained a lot of weight uh coming into you know he was drafted I think he was like 6'10", 215 pounds. He claims he's two forty now. Um, so he was you know he was the mus- the muscle watch uh, <laughs> MVP of the Warriors Meet today. <laughs> but um, he does look bigger. he does look like he can handle it. Um, so if he stays healthy and he is healthy and going through everything right now, I think he has a chance to really break into the rotation because all their big men are older vets who are slow. So even if he can just give them energy, uh, and do similar things to what McAdoo did. But at a higher level, I think her will play him just because
1: he needs to find someone to eat those minutes all year. A couple of things I just wanted to add to that. Uh, Damian Jones, he revealed the other day he had a whole rupture of his pectoral. I mean, right. even, even uh, Al Horford, when he had his issue, his wasn't a straight rupture like that. So like you said, it's going to be a long time before we see him. And then Kevin Kevon Looney, summer league two years ago, when he did play in summer league, he was like, oh, this kid can play. But you would see him coming up to court, just like grimacing, just like, dude, why is this guy even playing? And it kind of came back to bite him a little bit. But yeah, like he said, he is—he's a very talented guy. So I'll, I'll um, ask you another question. So how would you um, say Looney or James Michael McAdoo, who got a start <laughs> in the playoffs? Oh, um, Lord. Do, do you think that Looney could leapfrog him to kind of fall behind West or even Pachulia to get minutes consistently?
0: Um, so, well, he's not—he's like not in the relief
1: Zaza. Um, right? No, I, I didn't—I didn't mean. But you know, behind yeah. him, where he's in the rotation, is like the fourth big, I guess.
0: Well, McAdoo will open camp ahead of him. the The coaching staff likes McAdoo. I don't get it.
1: Huh.
0: I've never seen anything. He looks the—he looks the part. He
1: had like two. But, he had two good games, like March, his rookie season. Give him a break, man. That's true. I mean, <laughs>
0: they were both first. Denver, Denver, who yep. had completely checked out on the season yep. right. <laughs> and already fired a coach. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I think he's way more talented, so it'll only be a matter of time before he could leapfrog him. Um, they're going to, just looking at the big man rotation, Kerr's going to do a lot of the thing that he did last year where you're like, well, Kurz played four centers in the first half, <laughs> um, yeah. like where, you know, no one's really reliable outside of uh, Zaza, whose minutes you want to keep down just due to age and uh, durability. Um, so I think he's going to get his opportunities. It might not be in November, uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm bullish on him as a prospect, uh, at least being able to contribute to, uh, 12 to 15 minutes a game off the bench. Hopefully by midseason.
1: Oh, um, nice. So you think if Zaza misses time, you think that he may be the guy that steps into that role?
0: Oh, uh, that's going to be Anderson Verjao, yeah. much to everyone's yeah. chagrin. Um, I don't know. is saying his back feels better, and sure he does. thinks with a f- <laughs> with a full camp, he'll really get the Warriors system down. I'm a little more worried about that slow. Uh, slow movement off of the achilles
1: at age 34. <laughs> yeah, man. He, <laughs> yeah. He's not going to be he, I f- yeah.
0: I feel bad for him cuz you can see the guy you, when you watch someone who knows where they need to be but they can't move their body there fast enough. You know, there's a, you could probably say the same thing for David West, but at least he's still a, you know, very reliable mid-range
1: shooter. And dur- he's pretty durable too for the most part. Yeah, definitely. Cool, so just uh just a couple quick questions to kind of fill this round this whole thing up here. Uh Warriors were number two in pace, um and obviously the by far the most efficient team in the NBA last year by uh three true shooting percentage points, which is ridiculous. Um so where do you see them fitting and are they gonna they, they were 59.3 last year on true shooting and then number two in pace last year could they crack 60 true shooting and which they probably can uh and then do they take number one pace back from the kings last year the kings aren't going to be number one i don't think so it, it it's pretty much theirs to lose for the pace crown
0: i don't know if they'll take the pace crown because you have the um you have the rockets with d'antoni yep so that's exactly. always a possibility but they'll be in that top three um they'll definitely have months where they shoot over 60 true shooting percentage. Um, I'm just the turnover thing. Early season is just something I've mentally prepped myself for, you know, Steph. Steph has these passes where you're like, you know what, you know, where, what were you thinking? And then KD's turnover prone. I mean, everyone on the Warriors is pretty. They, they, they all love going for the home run play over the simple play. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's pretty much a guaranteed, uh Steve Kerr post game quote, if they have high turnovers that we need to go for the simple play over the home run, so um I do think uh they may not break last year's offensive numbers, but they'll be a better offense when they need to be if that makes sense yeah. um, even though they have more offensive firepower than last year, last year was year four of like you know the first. Six or seven players in the rotations year together, and you just can't, uh, you know, you can't uh, d- discount continuity for game in game out, con- you know, consistency on uh, pace and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, and they were assisted on sixty eight percent of their buckets last year. That's like really, really high, one of the highest ever. So it should be awesome, man. So yeah, this is great. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, words of encouragement for Warriors fans or people drafting fantasy on Warriors or anything? Yeah,
0: I would um I would still be very bullish on Katie and Steph yep. for fantasy. Same. Um they're not gonna put up their MVP numbers in terms of volume, but their efficiency should be through the roof. And uh everyone's gonna hold Steph to what do you have last year, like <laughs> 37 and five a game. But if you can get a guy who gives you like fifth you know, fifty percent from the field, three three and a half to four threes a game and 22 and eight i mean that's still a top five fantasy player at minimum
1: yeah so it's still top three at worst (laughs) yeah
0: i think um i think they're gonna put up points in bunches um and it's gonna be a fun year it's gonna uh it's yeah it's, it's gonna be a fun year and i think um I would guess I would guess 66 wins oh, is nice. where I have them at. It,
1: um, Vegas is what's what's it, 66 it, and a it, half.
0: Yeah. okay so I have them right at the under and my main line of thinking on that is I don't know that anyone in the West pushes 60. Yeah. So um, I really do think once they know they got the one seat on lock, they're gonna go into uh, prevent mode and you might see a lot of resting down the stretch.
1: Hopefully that resting doesn't come during your fantasy playoffs, though. Yeah, exactly. That's what a lot of people are concerned with for head-to-head leagues. Basically, if you draft a Warrior, you're a, a Spurs fan. Uh, you want to see them push that push them there, and then maybe Clippers, or I don't I don't really see anyone else pushing them.
0: Yeah, um, I have the Clippers as a two seed. I oh, think wow. um, they've been a fifty-seven win team when their core is healthy. You know, I mean, it's easy to look at the holes on their roster, which show up in the playoffs, you know, not having any good wing defenders and stuff like that. But Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan can roll most teams any night. Um, and if they're not going to do it now, they're never going to do it. So I kind of think they're prime to uh, be the number two contender in the West. I don't think they can beat the Warriors. Uh, basically, like, who's guarding Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant right it's just there
1: but JJ Redick on and KD they got it
0: exactly but they
1: are um but they have the they have the
0: basis of a team that can frustrate the Warriors which is really big inside and can potentially own the glass like I would I would take their chances uh to potentially beat the Warriors if they had that legitimate 3 and D guy out there but not having that they'll be more of that team that you know can frustrate them, but ultimately doesn't have the pieces to actually beat
1: them. Sounds good, man. So, this is great. Went a little longer than I thought, but always <laughs> the great information, man. Uh, so, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for listening, man. Thanks again. This is great.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk sometime soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,